0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of The Cause Church. We pray you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed
1: as you listen to the word of God. Our dad, Pastor Bob Reeve, graduated heaven on February 20th. If you're new to the church and maybe you didn't know that, this is our first Father's Day without our dad. And so it is a a little bit tough. Um, Our dad was uh, the best man that we've ever known in every way. He was our, our hero. Uh, our Grandpa Chuck and our Grandpa Roy. We had, we had great, great men. Um, we've had great men in our lives, but our dad was our hero. In fact, I, I can remember being 10 or 11 years old uh, on a Father's Day. I was, it was a Father's Day, I was with my dad, sitting with him in church at our, uh, our old church, Faith Community Church in West Covina that we grew up in. My uncle Jim was preaching. And then at the end of it, he asked dads and sons to pray together, and so my dad prayed for me. I don't remember, I don't remember Josh being there, it might have been just been me and my, me and my dad. My dad prayed for me, and then I, I went to pray for him. I tried praying for him, I couldn't even get one word out. And I realized, I think really for the first time in my life, how much I love my dad how much he loved me. I just started weeping. I was honest, I couldn't stop crying, which is surprising to you guys, I know, but uh, <laughs> totally shocking to everybody. Completely
0: shocked at and that.
1: Um, but anyways, just love my dad so much. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 17, verse six, children's children are the crown of old men and the glory of children is their father. And so this morning, Josh and I are gonna share the, we call it the top 10 lessons. Honestly, we could have made it a lot longer, but 10 really important life lessons that, uh, that our dad taught us. And in fact, early in the church, for those of you that were part of the movie theater days, my dad, for a while, he was all into top 10 lists right at the beginning. It was like David Letterman or something he got it from, just kind of funny top 10 lists. This is kind of a tribute to him.
0: Yeah, we, he'd make up top 10 lists. We do it every weekend for a long time. Yeah. So that's kind of why we're doing it. So we're going to have fun. So if you don't have your pen, a Bible, a notebook, get it, get it ready. You'll want to take down these notes because they'll be applicable to everybody. As you're doing that, watching online as well, glad you're joining us. Let me pray. Father, we come to you here today, God. We celebrate dads here today, Father, and we just want to come into your presence right now and hear from you, and uh, Lord, have open ears, open hearts to receive everything that you want to say to us here this afternoon, Father. We, we love you. We uh, just are excited to be here. In your son's name we pray.
1: Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: So in no particular order, we'll start with point one, which is all about laughing. Laugh at yourself. Don't take yourself too seriously, right? Life has enough challenges, right? There's, there's points in life where we just need to decide to laugh at it. As a parent with five children, not 14, I have five, every time, uh, you know, every time it gets challenging, it's like I feel like I'm drowning and I'm asking for a life vest and then another child shows up, right? That's what it's like. As a parent with a lot of kids, we have to laugh at some of the things and we have to, you know, I have to laugh when they do things. That's like, what are you doing? Sometimes you just have to laugh. Life is challenging enough. It's okay to laugh at things. When I was in high school, I ended up being a valedictorian at, our, at my high school and you know my cousin Jeff one of his favorite stories to tell people about my t- our time in high school was you know one lunch break during uh, at high school I was drinking a Hawaiian punch, a red fruit punch soda, and during this lunch break I happened to drip a small drop of it onto my white shirt. And so me and all my brilliance, I decide I'm gonna fix that. So I decide I'm just gonna lick that drop off of my white shirt. So instead of having one or two small red drops on my white shirt, I have a tongue smear on my shirt. And my cousin Jeff just laughed at me. And you know I've learned to laugh at that. Did Josh
1: mention that he was valedictorian too? (laughs) It
0: shows you. I only mentioned it once because I'm very (laughs) humble as a person, John. So sometimes you just have to laugh at it. In fact. You know, the, we, old the old valedictorian. Uh, <laughs> that, that's basically how it went, right? So you got to laugh at it, right? Oh,
1: gosh. For
0: a show of hands, who's ever done that as well? All right. Perfect. So every, uh, I, now I joke. Every dad, my, my daughter, Arabella, cringes every time I say this. And I do it just because of that reaction. But I say every dad. You need to have your, your dad jokes, right? I, every dad has their one go-to dad joke. You know what I call that joke? their unicorny joke, right? Their unicorny joke, because it's one and it's corny, right? You'll get that later, put it in your pocket and pull it out You'll be like, unicorny, I like that. I'm gonna use that too. Life is hard enough. We like to be lighthearted as a family. My dad set that example. Our family, we set that example. We would laugh a lot. In fact, if my dad went to a movie, even if the movie was just average, if he thought there was a part that was funny, it made the movie funny, right? Because his laughter was contagious. Uh, You you know, you could put up the picture. We got to go as a family and got to listen to Angela Johnson at one point, who's a comedian. She's very funny. We got to go to an improv and got to listen to her. Very funny person. If you don't know who she is, you should search her. She has a great bit about nail salons where it's like, you need gel for nail? Honey, that's why you know her boyfriend. It's really it's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's oh, not man. my bit, it's her bit. Dad would be so proud of you right now. <laughs> yeah. He would be. He would be He'd just of be like, chair. keep
1: going, right? It's just a slightly racist impression right there, in case you were wondering what was it's, going on. It's very funny. Oh my gosh. Then
0: she goes on with her new bit about it. She's like, now every time I go in a nail salon, I'm worried. They're like, do they know who I am? Are they going to be mad at me? It's very <laughs> funny. So she's, We like to laugh. When we'd go on family vacations and we'd drive, as we got older, we'd pick out a comedian and we'd literally buy their stand-up comedy tape as long as it was clean, which is a hard time that, back then to find and still a hard time to do, and we'd listen to that. So you know, some, one of the things that my brother and I do to amuse ourselves when we're speaking is we'll throw out these bits, these pieces from these comedians and just figure out if anybody else knows that we said it, right? So I already gave a Jim Gaffigan reference. I don't know if you picked that one up already, but we like to laugh. We, do, we try not to take ourselves too seriously, but we do take the Lord seriously, right? Even in the church, we, we like to laugh. We like to have a good time. If, you know, these are points that if we're hanging out after service today at a family gathering, that's, this is what we do, we'd laugh. We'd, we'd yeah. tease each other and have a good time, we tell jokes. So the book of Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22 says it this way, and just for John, it's in the, the Old King James Version. A merry heart doeth good like medicine, but a broken spirit dryeth the bones, John.
1: Just I, for, you. I asked Josh during the last service, why did you pick the old King James version for this verse? A merry heart doeth good. Very British just, sounding. Just
0: connecting Anyways, with different yeah. number two audiences is, <laughs> and ages, John. Number
1: two is this, family first. Family first. Other than the Lord, uh, our dad taught us that family comes before everything. Right. Our dad's priorities were simple. I think it's the way that, it's biblical. I think it's the way it should be. Number one is God. Number two was my mom, his wife. Number three was us. And then number four was work. Or for for my dad, work was ministry. It was church. Joshua chapter 24, verse 15 says, But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Or as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Our dad loved uh, his family. He would do anything. He would give anything. For us and faithfully loved my mom. They went through. And if you've heard before, they went through their own challenges. They didn't have a perfect marriage because there's no such thing, but they did have a healthy marriage. Right. But I can remember, you know, being a little kid and and uh, when they were going through a difficult time, they were separated at one point, but they made it work because they made a commitment to each other to love each other. Friends, we're here today because my parents chose to stay married. By the way, right. the cause church exists today because right. they stuck it out and. <clears throat> because family, family first, and uh, my dad, of course, loved my mom, was so proud of her, celebrated her more than he even celebrated himself. But we learned to put family before everything else other than, other than the Lord. Josh and I are pastor's kids. We grew up meeting other pastor's kids. I met a lot of pastor's kids that were at least bitter at their parents. Some of them literally hated their mom and dad. And they were pastors and the reason is because they put church before their own kids and that's not biblical our dad never sacrificed our family on the altar of ministry and and i know that not you know most of us are not in full-time ministry but let me if i can say this a little bit boldly at eleven thirty, dads you ought not to sacrifice your family on the altar of your job or your work you can always make more money but you don't get more time with your kids and listen, you get eight, about 18 years, I know I know some of our kids end up staying in our house longer than that, but dads, you get about 18 years to mold them, to shape them, to disciple them, to teach them how to know the Lord and how to walk with them. You can never get that time back. And I, and I don't say that. I know some of us are older and, and we came to the Lord and the Lord's done some uh, great things in our life and we didn't do things perfectly. None of us do. I don't say that uh, to make you feel bad. Just make a change today to do your best today from this point on. Bible says in Psalm, um, let me me just say one other thing, so related to that is dads, be involved, be as involved as you can in the lives of your children. Our dad was our baseball coach, Uh, he was at all of our events growing up, he was at all of the grandkids' events, Asher and Cohen just played a championship game last Saturday, my dad would've been so proud, we won the championship, Asher pitched beautifully, Cohen got a base hit, my dad would've been more excited than even Josh and I were. But he was at everything, even, even uh, up until you know, before he passed, our, my dad would come over in the evenings and babysit our kids after working a long day of ministry so Jenny and I could go on a date. He was glad to do that, because family, family's always first. The Bible says in Psalm 128, how joyous are those who love the Lord and bow low before God, ready to obey him. Your reward will be prosperity, happiness, and well-being. Your wife will bless your heart and home. Your children will bring you joy as they gather around your table. Yes, this is God's generous reward for those who love him, and may you be surrounded by your grandchildren.
0: Yeah, Dad stopped watching my kids when I passed three, so how did you swing that? So, still, still can't get people to watch five kids. That's like, I need like three babysitters to do that, right? So, yeah, anyway, point three. Be wise with your money, but enjoy your life, right? Well, we'll say it this way. Give, save, and live, right? Or what we would call is the 10-10-80 principle, right? So as a believer, we'd say put, you know, give your first 10% 10 to the Lord, right? We call it our tithe, We we bring that to the Lord, we give it back to Him because He's given everything to us. With the next 10%, save right, I recommend uh, I recommend on that. do it automatically. Don't let it go into your checking. do it automatically. save, and then, with the last eighty percent, learn to live with joy and happiness on the rest, right? You might be wondering, well, okay, you know what's the basis for this? Well, Proverbs has a lot of really clear biblical instructions. Pastor Junior talked about uh, Proverbs 3, 9, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits, first fruits of your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with, not, with, with wine, right? So that's, hey, the first 10%, bring it back to the Lord and trust him, right? The next 10%, Proverbs talks about ants, it says this in Proverbs 6, 6 through 8, go to the ants you sluggard, consider their ways and be wise. They have no commander no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. You know, ants, their lifespan's a snap, it's gone, right? The Thanos snap, right? But it's really your foot stepping on. Ants don't live long, yet they go out and they bring food back into store for the time where they can't get food, right? We live in America. No matter how hard it is for us here, we have extreme opportunity and blessing right before us. And for us to not, prepare for any of our challenging seasons means that we are living beyond our means, right? We are spending more than what we earn. My parents set this example for us, and it was an example set by their parents as well. My parents were extremely generous in every facet of their life. In fact, when putting God first, my parents have been one of the top giving families every year at the church which is a testament to how much they trusted God with their their finances and and just wanted to see God move. They wanted to see the kingdom move and do everything it could. They wanted to finance it so it could fulfill its purpose. You know what, though? They weren't in the top 10% of earners here at the church, right? There's some people here who God's gonna bless you. You should help bump them down on that list. Bump my mom down on that list because God's gonna bless you and you're gonna fund the kingdom and its activities. My parents taught us how to enjoy the rest and what we lived on. They took, you know, they do what good parents will do, right? They'd invest into the kids. They took us on vacations. You could see one of the pictures where we're in Hawaii. Uh, John is thrilled to be there. obviously having
1: a great time in paradise there, T- as you can time tell. Time of his life, right? When You're Josh having this, the time of your Josh life. When Josh put this picture up last night, I'm thinking, where in the world is my mom? Why is my mom not in the picture? And Josh said, Josh, or John, <laughs> he didn't call him, called me John. I'm getting tired. Yes. He said, she's the one taking the picture. Shows you how smart I am that I couldn't even figure that out. Like this is before
0: the days of a camera selfie, right? You actually had somebody <laughs> take a photo, and then you take it and get it developed, and you have no idea how it's gonna turn out. So uh, I think clearly, mom was thrilled with the, with your smile there, John. By the way, for about seven years, that's the exact face John had on almost every photo. <laughs> like we could years, go through like this whole progress. Of, it's it's like it's amazing. I should I should just start pulling up photos, but that's oh, the exact man. look. So. That trip, you think, man, you guys got to go to Hawaii. You, you know, <laughs> my parents, what they did to send to take us all to Hawaii at that point is they were doing a marriage conference. So as part of work, you know, doing a doing a chance to minister and work, they then brought us along with them. So they saved money by doing that, but they planned on it. You can see another pic- picture. We went to Montana quite a few times as a family. Uh, this was one of the first times John and I hashtag flexing, right? Yeah, the yeah. original. John with the Run in the Rock, the UNLV Running Rebels hat back in the day with Tark as their coach. So, yeah, we went up to Montana to visit my grandpa. as He was, would be up in Montana over summer. But we create memories. They invested into us so we, can, we could enjoy time that we have together. And we all look back at it. Ecclesiastes says it this way in five, chapter 5, verse 19. When God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and to be happy in their toil. This is a gift
1: from God, right? Enjoy what God has entrusted to you. Amen, number four is always assume the best about others. Friends, in in your work, in your family, in your marriage, especially in your marriage, people are gonna let you down, they're gonna fail to meet your expectations, they're gonna miss the mark, and you can either get frustrated with them, you can get angry, you you can get upset, you can assume the worst, or you can choose to assume the best about them, that that they tried, maybe something came up, something happened, they made an honest mistake. Listen, in in your marriage, wives, you ask your husbands to take the trash out. You expect it to get done, you go and you check on it, the trash has not moved at all. You can either get mad at them, you can go yell at them, you can complain, you can say, you never listen to me, I do everything around here, blah, 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 blah. Or you can just assume that they were watching the Dodgers game, and Walker Bueller had a no hitter going into the eighth inning, and he was ready to take the trash out as soon as the game ended. You can assume the best. Apparently, there's no Dodger fans in here. It's like sometimes to 11.30 service is like preaching to a brick wall. And, anyways, let me just keep going, but you can assume the best. All Some- the Dodger fans are watching the game right now. I know, they're watching yeah.
0: it, right? They're watching
1: it. Sometimes I get frustrated with people at you know at, at work and half of them were my own family. And I'd go and I'd talk to my dad and he'd kinda listen and then he would, oftentimes he would just say, John, they're probably doing their best. They're probably doing their best. You know, that's how my dad lived his life. He, he erred on the side of grace. He treated people right even when they treated him wrong. He assumed the best about people, you know why? Because he saw the best in people. So many of us choose to focus on the negative things with other people, especially our spouses. We think about all the things that they aren't doing, haven't done, you know, did us wrong, instead of appreciating them and thanking them for all the things that they've done right and assuming the best about them. Friends, it's just a way better, it's much better to live when you assume the best about people, when you choose to see the best in people. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, the Sermon on the Mount, he says, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. That's called the golden rule. Do unto others as you want them to do unto you. Do the, assume the best about others.
0: Yeah, tied in with this, we teach our kids, don't mind read, right? You don't know what your siblings are thinking, right? So don't, don't, don't mind read, right? So it's tied in with that. We tell them that all the time. But they were gonna do this. We're like, you don't know what they're gonna do. You're mind reading, right? So point five is this. It's better to make things right in a relationship than to be right. Now, I know some of us are very much like, if I'm right, I'm right, right? And if I'm right, I'm gonna stand my ground, and if we have to fight, we're gonna fight because I'm right and you're wrong, and so I'm gonna stand my ground. You sound like a white
1: rapper, Josh.
0: That's my goal, John, <laughs> so I could be your hype man. <laughs> but it's better to make things right than to stand your ground about just being right. There's times where you have to utter two words, right? I'm sorry. Let's, in fact, let's practice it all together on the count of three. One, two, three. I'm sorry. Was that painful? That's hard to
1: say. (laughs) It's hard to get those words (laughs) out. A little hard to say, right?
0: (laughs) So, but then we also, we teach our kids, then you need to be specific. What are you sorry for? I'm sorry for this. And our kids have a great way of just turning it into, I'm sorry that you did this to me. No, 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 no. (laughs) Own your part. That's what we tell them. Own your part. Tell them what you're sorry for, and then ask them, it, it would, you know, be specific in a loving way, right? We teach them as well to be a good listener in this, right? That's an important part of making things right versus being right. We begin with our two ears and our one mouth, and unless you adhere to common core math as the gospel, that should teach you that you should listen twice as much as you speak, right? Yep. Yeah. It's better... To make things right than to be right. Let me give you a really a little tip that I, I, I give to people who are married, right? It's called the 777 principle. Some of you are thinking jackpot, right? 777, right? So here's, here's the tip very shortly. Every seven days, have a date night. Take a, take a date night, right? Every seven weeks, take a night or two away if you can, right? Get away just, for, just to break the routine up. Every seven months, go on a short vacation together. If you do the 777 principle, I guarantee you it will take your marriage and it will make it better, healthier, and stronger, right? Let me say it a different way, tied in with this. You might be thinking, hey, I can't afford to to go on a date night every week. I don't have time, it's expensive. If you don't have time, first of all, you need to make time. Secondly, if you think it's expensive, pay the teenage babysitter, pay the young adult babysitter somewhere between $10 to $15 an hour, because that's a whole lot cheaper than going to counseling and paying $75 to $150 an hour, right? And by the way, there is no shame in going to counseling because if you're going to pay them $75 to $100 an hour or $150, whatever it is, an hour to help you heal in your marriage, that's a whole lot cheaper than talking to an attorney and having them divide your estate in half, right? And they're going to take their portion, right? That's good. So this is not just a life. This is a finance lesson as well as a health (laughs) lesson for your relationship. What's love got to do with it? This is about (laughs) money. This is about money, right? (laughs) Invest in your time together, right? It's way cheaper to invest in, in, in somebody to watch your kids so you can spend that time away. By the way, if you're going through a marital challenge, if you can press on and press through it and let God heal it, right, if you both commit to making it work, I promise you, in three years, as you go through it, you will end up happier and more fulfilled than you realize. You, You will think, man, this is the worst, this is not worth going. If you push through three years from now, you'll make it through and you'll look back like... I can't believe that we were we were thinking of ending it, right? You'll end up happier and you'll be able to be used by God to be a testimony to what he wants to do, right? So this is all about making things right is better than being right. Apologize when you need to. We apologize in front of our kids all the time. I'm sorry that I said this. I'm sorry I talked to you this way, right? To say it differently, it's better to act your way into feeling than to feel your way into inaction, right? Sometimes you just need to You need to act like you love your spouse even if you don't feel like it, right? You need to act like you care even if you don't feel like it because if you keep acting like it, eventually God's gonna change your heart and you will feel like it as well, right? Uh, James says, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it's a sin, right? So, and then uh, Jesus says this in Matthew as well. He says, get rid of the log in your own eye and then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Make things right rather than being right.
1: If you guys don't know a sitter, just drop them off at Josh and Elizabeth's house. They won't even notice. Have they have don't no even idea. know how many kids they yeah. have anymore. We'll and have no idea, right? Just pick them up whenever you want. Actually, my I tease my brother a lot, because uh, point number one, we got it from our dad. My brother is one of the best dads and husbands that I know. Yes. He my brother is an incredible man of integrity. <laughs> Everything he just said, he lives, he models. And uh, so that was, that was good preaching. Funny
0: side story, we, we got a 12-passenger van, so somebody asked me, they're like, oh, is that for the church? Nope, this is for my family. I need all the yeah. space that I could get. And what cracked me up is this van—the license plate. It's now changed, but it was "Henna for You," right? Which is so funny. Here I am, a pastor, and driving around with the van. Yeah. So, if you with need any— henna license plate. If you need, if you need, if you any, need henna any henna work, I can do it on the yeah. side. It's my side That's hustle. Right. That's a side hustle. P- part-time,
1: full-time <laughs> pastor, part-time henna artist. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Number six is do your best. That's all you can do. Do your best. That's all you can do. This principle is actually. Uh, my dad talks about it in inning six, chapter six of his book, Dugout Talk. And uh, we actually, I don't know if you noticed when you walked in, but we made these books available for you today uh, at the table on the back. So if you don't have one, you can get one on your way out. Don't take like 50 of them, but you can have one. Uh, and our dad actually wrote it shortly after our grandfather passed years ago, around, I think maybe 2001, 2002, he wrote it. And then before... Uh, his celebration of life, we were actually having a conversation <laughs> with my mom, Josh. Chris was there, and we were talking about what we are going to do. And my mom said, you know, it would be really nice if we reprinted uh, these books and gave them out to everybody because we, they were out of print. And so, yeah, I said, yeah, that's a good idea. So Josh said, yeah, he said, I'm writing a chapter for the book. And we're like, what? What are you talking about? He's like, yeah, I already started. I, I'm, I'm going to write a chapter. I'm going to call it Extra Innings, and we're going to put it in the book. I'm like, when are we gonna put this in the book, Josh? I was thinking like a year from now, he's like, we're gonna reprint him and we're gonna put it in right now. I'm like, dude, you can't write a chapter to dad's book without me writing a chapter and then Shannon has to write a chapter too. I said, Josh, when do I need to write this extra ending chapter? He's like, by tomorrow. I'm like, bro, <laughs> I have to go home. I'm in like the deepest pain of my life and I gotta go write a chapter for dad's book. So I did my best, because that's do all I best. can do. Do your best, it, John, that's yeah. all you can do, right? It made it in here, I don't know if it's any good, but I did my best. And it's in. No, I'm just kidding, <laughs> it's actually, it's really good. Uh, John's yeah. and Shannon's chapters are really good. But you know, um, our, our dad was, he would never get upset with any of us, or even when he was leading the church staff members, he would never get upset if people failed. He would get upset if we didn't try. And in baseball, we learned growing up from Dad and Grandpa Chuck that, there's a big difference between making a physical error and a mental error. Physical error, that happens all the time in sports and in life. If Physical error is you, you swing and you miss. You don't catch every ball. A mental error is when you're just not paying attention, when you're not focused, when you're not trying your hardest, or maybe your attitude goes south. And that's when Dad would get bugged. In fact, one time we were playing a Little League game. I was probably 10 or 11. Josh was like 8 or 9. We went out there, and we were just getting creamed just one or two innings in we were playing terrible the other team scoring all these runs on us and my dad you know he was he, he was a great coach but he was bugged at how bad we were playing so he in between innings, he got our team together, and he's doing our best. He's frustrated with us, but he's doing our best to encourage us, give us a good coach's pep talk, you know, and he's saying, boys, we could go out there. We can still win. He said, if we play hard the rest of the game, we can we can still compete. He said, look, and listen, we can either go out there and play our best, or we can just quit right now and go home and watch the Mickey Mouse Club. One of the guys on our team, Bobby, said, coach, let's go watch the Mickey Mouse Club. I vote for that. He's done. He was yeah, d- That's a good idea, coach. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So... Listen, part of doing your best is do your best and don't compare yourself with somebody else. Don't compare yourself with anybody else. My best looks different than Dave's best or you know Jason's best and looks different than your best. Do your best, friends. We learned this principle and applied it in all the areas of life. We did our best in baseball and in school growing up. Now in ministry, I don't know how good it is, but we're doing our best. As a dad, we're doing our best. As a husband, we're, we're doing our best. So do your best. God doesn't expect you to be perfect. God doesn't expect you to never fail. In fact, the opposite is true. He expects you to not be perfect and he expects you to fail. The Bible says in Proverbs 24:16, "For though the righteous man or the righteous uh, fall seven times, they rise again." So God doesn't expect you to be perfect, but he does expect you to keep going and get up. Yeah. He does expect you to do your best. In fact, Jesus tells a parable in Matthew 25, the parable of the talents. It was one of our dad's favorite topics, really, to talk about, preach on. He did seminars on it. The parable of the talents, how God expects you to give your best. He expects you to give your best with your time and your talent and your treasure. So at the end of your, your life, when you stand before the Lord, he can say, well done, good and faithful servant. Paul says it like this in Colossians chapter three, don't just do the minimum that will get you by. Man, that is so true in our world today. So many people just do the minimum, just barely wanna get by, barely wanna pass in school, barely wanna get by in work. Paul says, don't just do that, do your best. Work from the heart for your real master, for God, confident that you'll get paid in full when you come into your inheritance.
0: Yeah, such a good point. Every time I hear that, I think of Jimmy Eat World's song The Middle, so you you can Spotify that later. So I won't sing it. Point seven is don't quit, finish what you start, right? I joke last service, I know that this is Father's Day and fathers were known for having projects that we leave unfinished. I'm not talking about those, right? Those things. I'm talking about if you make a commitment to something, you're gonna finish and follow through on it, right? So you know that, that, think of that in every area of your life. Relationally, you know, anything that you're gonna make a commitment to, you're gonna see, see it to the end, right? My parents would use, they, they teach us on this every single time. If we joined something, if we joined a sports team, if we joined anything like that, and my sister, if she joined a vocal, something with the, her, her talents, That we would finish it. We were committing to it and we would see it till the end. And even if we felt like quitting, quitting was not an option. And a lot of times I could hear my dad saying something like this is that Reeves are not quitters, right? Those are things that, that that we've taught, that we were taught, and that now I teach my kids you're not quitting, you're gonna finish this. Something that you should be proud of your heritage, and if you're not proud of it, Turn your heritage into something you want to be, want it to be proud of, right? Yeah. For the next generation and teach lessons like that, right? So I could remember as a 12 year old, I wasn't sure if I wanted to play baseball that year. So my dad had a conversation. He's like, you can either play baseball, And if you're gonna play, you're playing the full year, you're not quitting. Or you could get your Barry Sanders autograph, which back in that time, Frank and Sons in Walnut, every Saturday they had a sports collectible show. We'd go all the time, because we liked that. So you could see a picture of my dad and I. This is me as a 12 year old, and I played that year
1: and enjoyed it and got to create memories. I'm I'm struck by how white my brother and my dad are in this picture. You guys are not just white, you're white. You're white. That's why I have the All red I bat. All I see is, is a red a bat contrast. and some blue. I can't contrast. even see where your
0: jersey ends and stuff. <laughs> if, if you zoom in, you'll see a little red here, red Hello. here, and blue eyes, so and white. there's not much of a difference on anything else. One of my dad's favorite stories is uh, when John was born. He was born in Long Beach at a time where... Let's just say that there were not too many white families there. So after John was born, the doctor comes running out and with urgency is like, Reeve, where's the Reeve father? Where's the Reeve father? So my dad's worried, like, is something wrong with my newborn son? He's like, here I am. And the doctor just looked at him. He's like, no, we're good. I just was a little worried about how pale the kid was, but we're good. (laughs) So yeah, you, 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 you're just, you, you got the whiteness as well, John. So we will finish what we started, which is this message. I promise this message. we will not quit uh, till we're done. My mom <laughs> has a sign up in her kitchen that is awesome and that some of you will like this as well. It says, I'd give up eating chocolate, but I'm not a quitter, right? Don't be a quitter, right? <laughs> <laughs> What's your adversity quotient, right? What does it take to make you quit? That's a good question to ask, you know? There's times we might feel like quitting, but we gotta press on, right? Uh, we, we, we press on, which you'll, you'll see about that. The, John mentioned the parable of the talents. You know, the, everybody has different talents. We need to use it for God's glory. What will frustrate the Lord is when we don't do anything, right? Where we just quit and it's like, well, you know, I thought you were just gonna make it happen. No. God wants, we gotta put to action, right? We gotta press forward and push on, which will push us to the next point.
1: Amen, number eight is step out in faith and pursue God's calling on your life. In 2004, my dad was 49 years old, my mom was 48. Uh, My dad was the executive pastor at Faith Community Church in West Covina where we grew up, had a great role there. Um, My parents were both pretty comfortable in their lives and you know, some people start thinking about retirement that early and, uh, and my dad's, or, or God spoke to my mom and my dad about starting a new work in Brea, planting a church. And so uh, at the age of 49, 48 years old, my parents risked everything, took a huge step of faith, stepped out of what was comfortable and what they knew to do a brand new work. By the way, faith is always spelled R-I-S-K. And so my parents risked everything. Some of their own friends were saying, what are you guys doing? You're making a mistake. And because they stepped out in faith and pursued God's calling on their lives, we're here 16 and a half years later. Thousands of people, no exaggeration, thousands of people have come to know the Lord. Heaven has been populated, hell has been plundered, marriages have been healed and restored, families have been changed. I mean, the city of Bray and the surrounding region has been impacted because of their faith and their obedience to step out and pursue God's calling in their life. What about you, friends? Even my dad used to, he used to tell me, he said, John, I, your mom and I would like nothing more than to serve the Lord here with you at the cost for the rest of your life. But whatever God has called you and Jenny to do, we're 100% behind you. And if you need a, if, if God's calling you somewhere else, then we will completely support you. Paul says it like this in Philippians 3. He says, not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call. I like that, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Yeah, he
0: never told me that. He just said, you're stuck here forever.
1: (laughs) Probably wanted you to stay more than me. Whichever
0: one of you leaves first, the other one has to stay, so good (laughs) good luck. no, yeah. I'm just kidding. Point number nine is integrity matters. Yeah. Integrity yeah. matters, right? We are who we are because my parents are who they are. Who The people you see up on the platform are the same people my parents were off platform all the time, right? If they weren't who they were off platform, we wouldn't be who we are right now. We'd be doing something else. Integrity, just to go back to definition, essentially means wholeness, right? If you think of it in math terms, an integer is a whole number, not a fraction, right? So when I say integrity matters, it means that we should not compartmentalize our life. Hey, this is my church part of my life. This is my work part of my life. This is my part of my life that nobody gets to see or hear about. We don't compartmentalize our life, right? I think that's part of the reason why the Bible often talks about having wholehearted devotion to the Lord as a foundation for life. Because if we put God at the center and pursue him with everything we have, Everything else should revolve around that, should fit in with that and become things that we enjoy because of our pursuit of the Lord and our enjoyment of who God is. And then his hand of blessing allows us to enjoy everything else, right? It's something that I wanna encourage. I try to model it for my kids. We wanna we want to be, my wife and I try to be people of integrity for them as well. The psalmist writes this in Psalm 101, verse two. It says, I will be careful to live a blameless life When will you come to help me? I will lead a life of integrity in my own home. So we wanna live a life of integrity because integrity matters. Amen,
1: that was your best point, I think. It was my shortest
0: point. Is that why it was the best point, John?
1: (laughs) That was good preaching, honestly. (laughs) Number 10, here's the last uh, lesson that we're gonna share today. And I think it encapsulates everything else. There's nothing more important in life than the cause of Christ. Acts chapter 13, Paul's preaching a message he references David and he says two statements about David that uh, have really impacted my life. And um, this is what he says. He said, David was a man after God's own heart and David served God's purposes in his own generation and then he, he uh, fell asleep or he went to be with the Lord. And uh, I, told, I told Josh, I hope that uh, at my funeral that my brother can get up and say with integrity that. That's the kind of life that I live. That's the kind of man that I was. And my dad was absolutely that kind of man. He was a man after God's own heart. He served God's purposes in his own generation. And the reason is because he lived for the cause of Christ. He served, his life was devoted to serving the cause of Christ. Jesus, in in John chapter 18, Jesus is interacting with Pilate before his crucifixion. Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born. And for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. The name of our church, the Cause Church, used to be the Cause Community Church, comes from this verse in the Bible. In fact, up until recently, we just painted these walls. We had that verse on on the wall next to the screen. And our dad chose, the name, The Cause Church, because he said, I want to remind myself and I want everybody in our church to know why we're here and what we're living for. We're living for the cause of Christ. Friends, there's a lot of causes in our world. Some of them are straight up evil and and completely anti-Christ. Some of them are, you know, are fine. There's only one cause, however, that's eternal. That's the cause of Christ. Because God is eternal, the Word of God is eternal, heaven is eternal, hell is eternal, people's souls are eternal, the kingdom of God is eternal, the life, love, and power of Jesus working in and through your life. Friends, that's eternal. And what are you gonna live for? What are you gonna live for? Everybody's living for something. Some people are just living for their own cause. They're living for the cause of themselves. All of those other things fade. Money, jobs, fame, fortune, finances, houses, hobbies. All of that stuff is gonna fade away. Only the cause of Christ lasts forever. And our dad lived for the cause of Christ, he died for the cause of Christ. And uh, friends, that's exactly how how I'm gonna live my life. That's exactly how I think my brother's living his life, to give everything for the cause of Christ. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters other than knowing the Lord walking in relationship with Him, seeing other people, seeing other people fall in love with the Lord, Jesus change, transform their lives. Man, that's what we live for. That's what my dad lived for. I'm thankful that because he did, we're still here, moving forward. The cause of Christ is still continuing and advancing. I want you to ask yourself a question today as we, as we close. And the question is, Am I in relationship with God? I'm not asking if you know about God. You probably know about a whole lot of people, a lot of famous people and entertainers. You know about them, but you don't know them. You don't have a personal relationship with them. There's a huge, huge difference. A lot of people know about God. That doesn't mean anything. Do you know the Lord? Do you have an intimate personal relationship with the Lord? That's what he has created you for. That's why he sent Jesus. That's why Jesus came 2,000 years ago to this planet, stepped out of heaven, sinless son of God. For God so loved the world, Jesus said, for he so loved you that he gave his one and only son, God gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, whoever puts their faith, whoever puts their trust in him, you might say whoever surrenders their life to him, will not perish but have everlasting eternal life. Jesus came and lived a perfect, sinless, holy life, fully man, fully God. Showed us how to love God, how to love people, how to love life, how we're supposed to live and died on a cross for your sins, for my sins. Friends, I'm just like you. I'm a sinner who needs a savior. And Jesus came, gave his life, shed his blood on the cross and his blood covers us and cleanses us from all of our sin, all of our mistakes, all of our brokenness, all of our selfishness. And then three days later, after they had buried him, he rose from the dead, the tomb was empty. Jesus is alive. He defeated hell, he defeated sin, he defeated powers of the enemy so that we could have abundant and eternal life. And that's what the Lord offers to you, friends. And Jesus is the only way to be in relationship with God. There is no other way. Despite what people like to say, all paths lead to God. No, 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 they don't. That's like saying all paths lead to Lubbock, Texas. No, they don't. (laughs) No, they don't. Uh, you might think you're going to Hawaii. You might end up in Lubbock, Texas, and uh, because there's only one one way to get there, friends, there's only one way, and His name is Jesus. He's the way, He's the truth, and He's the life, and He loves you so much. Maybe you've never made that decision before to surrender your life to Him. Maybe you prayed a prayer, but you've, you you're walked away. You're not living for the Lord at all. He's nowhere in sight, nowhere in your mind, but you're thinking about it right now because you're being presented with an invitation, maybe you're watching online, and you realize, I need to come back to the Lord. The Bible says his arms are open, just like a loving father waiting for his kids to come home. He loves you, turn around friends, repent, change your thinking, change course, and come back to the Lord. If you're here today, you're not in relationship with the Lord, but you wanna be. I wanna wanna give you an opportunity right now. The Bible says today's the day of salvation, not tomorrow not next week, not when you fix some things in your life. Today's the day. I heard growing up in church, today's the day. You're the person. You make the choice and God makes the change. It's so true. Would you close your eyes for a moment? Just give a gift of privacy and if you say, John, I, I'm, I've never made that decision before, but I want to be in relationship with the Lord. I want to surrender my life to Him because I need Him. Or, I've kind of turn my back, but I wanna come back to the Lord today. I wanna to come back to him. I wanna give you that opportunity right now, friends. Maybe you're watching online, you can let our team know as well. With everybody's eyes closed, heads bowed, on the count of three, if that's you, would you just lift up your hand and make con- eye contact with me? I wanna see you. I won't embarrass you, I won't call you out, I won't make you say anything, but I wanna see you and agree with you. On the count of three, lift your hand high. One, two, three. Hold your hand up, hold it high until I see you, friends. Anybody here today? Just give a moment in here, anybody in here this morning, Jesus' name, great, great. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. For more information about The Cause or for further resources, visit our website, thecause.cc or call 714-255-0930.